Good morning. We need to pray. Heavenly Father, this is your time. You've given us this beautiful day, and it is beautiful, for you made it. Father, you are here this morning. You are amongst us, Father. Let us, let us know that you're here. Let us see you at work. Let us hear your voice. Join our hearts together in yours, Father. Be with this message, Father. It is yours. Let me not say a word, but let it be yours. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, Steve Bugler shared... um, some kind of disconcerting stuff about our youth. And I came across a video that was also very disconcerting. I want to play it for you. Um, When we Google something, as we start to type in, it'll begin to bring up popular searches. So that's the context of this mess or of this video. Tim? my heart. What message is being sent? So the title this morning is, What is Your Because? What is your because? Matthew 22 gives us what Jesus said about the greatest commandment. The Pharisees were asking Jesus, they were trying to trap him, and they asked him, 
Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. There's one small problem that I have with this. I can't do it. I can't do it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And I can't do it. Now, the next part is a little bit easier. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, that's familiar to me. I know how I like to be loved. So, what makes me feel loved? I'm going to... I can then make a solid attempt to do that myself. But still, I fall short in that because that's me doing it the way I want, in the manner of which I want it, in the circumstances that I want it, to ultimately make me feel better and not guilty for not doing what I know I should do. Okay? And that's the full essence of Christianity for a lot of us. So Jesus knows that we have a hard time doing this. And that's why the Pharisees phrased it as, which is the greatest commandment in the law. So Jesus comes and he picked his twelve. And he lived with them for three years. They followed him for three years. And toward the end of those three years, Jesus gathered them in an upper room for his last Passover with them. And in John 13, he says this, A new command I give you, love one another. I'm going to stop for a second right there. Love one another. Is that a new command? No. God the Father gave that a long time ago. That's not the new part. Because it was love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the new part. Love one another as I, Jesus, have loved you. So you must love one another. That's the new part. It's no longer love your neighbor as yourself. It's love one another as Jesus loves you. Now, you may very well leave this morning with more questions than answers. And that's okay. I know I am. It goes on to say, by this, all men, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, by the way you love one another. 
that's what sets us apart from the world. It's not that we can love one another as we love ourselves. It's that we can love one another as Jesus loves us. That's what sets us apart. That's why we will be known to be his disciples by the way we love one another because that love is not the love that I'm going to give of myself. It's the love that I'm going to give that I have received from the Father. That's why we can be different. Later on, Jesus, I say later on in John, um, in chapter 15, John chapter 15, Jesus is talking about the vine being part of the vine, the vine being Jesus. It says, as the Father has loved me, so Jesus is doing just as he commands us to do. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. So one of the questions that I have for you this morning is how does Jesus love you? Sadly, a lot of times our answer is, well, he died on the cross. Absolutely true. And we should cherish that. And that was the greatest demonstration of God's love for us. I take nothing light of that. My wife loves me. How do I know she loves me? My answer is not because she married me 16 years ago. It's because she's loved me today. And she continues to love me every day. So I'll ask the question again. How does Jesus love you? Because we need to be filled with his love daily so that we can go out and love as he has currently, presently loved me, loved us, loved you. That is what we're called to do. That is his command. So one of the problems that we have, though, is love. We have a hard time understanding what love really is. Because that, as I have been loved, we've been loved pretty poorly throughout our lives. People that have expressed, I love you, have hurt us, have betrayed us, 
have been selfish toward us. Yet we hear, I love you. That is hard to reconcile. That, that's hard to then go and love as I have been loved. So what is this love that I'm talking about? The love that I'm talking about is the love that calls us to disadvantage ourselves for the sake of another. Let me say that again. The love that we're talking about is the love that calls us to disadvantage ourselves for the sake of another. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And that's exactly what Jesus taught. The last sentence, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love than one lays down his life for another. Okay. I like finding problems. I have a problem with this. How often do I get to lay down my life for somebody else? Okay, if I really, in that sense, we, we get to lay down our life once. Because then we're dead. <laughs> so what does that really mean? Okay. My life doesn't have to be, although it may be, the actual physical death of my body. But it's my priorities. It's my plan. It's my, what do I want to do today? Am I going to need to have to lay that down for another? Do I do it quickly? Do I do it kindly? Do I do it annoyingly? Do I do it begrudgingly? Do I do it because I know I have to? Because I'll tell you this, if you have truly encountered the love of Christ you can't help but to go out and do it. How many times did Jesus do something for somebody and he's followed up with, now, don't go tell anybody. What did they do? They went and told somebody. Because they couldn't keep their mouth shut. They had been so impacted by Christ that they couldn't help it. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 says, This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And then he continues on down in verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And now he's going to tell us how we can do this. It's an example. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. 
This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If we could get this right, and often we do, but often we don't. But I'll tell you, if we can get this right, you would never have to hear another evangelism message preached to you. Because it would just happen. It's the natural outflow. It's the natural outpouring of Christ loving us, us engaging Christ, having a true experiential encounter with Jesus Christ that we can't help but go out and do as what has been done to us. So Jesus, wrapping up, Jesus gave his great commission in Matthew 28 before he ascended to heaven. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, which includes the new commandment. And then he says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That with us is that walk with Christ that we have. He's going to be with us because he knows we can't do this on our own. It is beyond our capacity to do this alone. He does it with us. So what is your because? I hope your because is from 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. That's why we do what we do. And he gives us opportunities. I want to share with you one story before communion. There was a man who was coming home from work and he was stopped at a red light. And a car rear-ended him. It wasn't a tragic accident. But the gentleman who rear-ended him was upset. Understandably so. He was very sorry for what happened. But as the man sat in his car, he prayed, Lord, show me what to do. And you know, he didn't care about the car. He didn't care about the damage. Everything was okay. Everybody was safe. Police came. They did their thing. The two gentlemen went their ways. You know the process. You got to contact place to get the car fixed. This gentleman really genuinely wanted to make this right. And so the man went out and got his estimate. But you know, the prayer that he prayed subsequent to the accident was, 
He prayed for the estimate. He prayed that the estimate would be beyond what the gentleman could pay for. Because he saw this as an opportunity to share the gospel. Because isn't that exactly the situation that we're in? We are debtors to God. We're debtors to God for the sin, for the offense that we've made against God. And, and, and it is a debt beyond what we can pay. So how can this accident work out for good? So at the conclusion of it, the two men met together. And the offender man said, we have two options. We have this option. We have that option. The other man said, I want to go with option three. And option three is, I want to forgive you of this. And I'm doing this as a real tangible expression of God's love for you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're doing, what you believe, but God loves you. And he wants to forgive you of your offense. So I forgive you of your offense. That's what the gentleman said. And you think, wow, this is too good to be true. And you know what? Eternal life is too good to be true. So what Christ does is he gives us the seal of the Holy Spirit in us as a deposit, as a guarantee of that promise. So this gentleman wrote up the forgiveness, gave it to the, the offender, said, you're forgiven. Is Jesus so on the forefront of our mind that our day can be interrupted, take a turn, in a direction we didn't expect, and we're ready for that opportunity? Or do we just see how inconvenienced we are? So as we come to communion, and we remember Jesus, I encourage you, we don't remember Jesus just one Sunday a month. We remember Jesus every moment of the day. Do we truly go out and love as we have been loved? Or do we just try to do a good job? We just try to do the right thing. Or is it an outpouring, a natural outflow of what Jesus does in us every day?